sorry, sorry. I'm starting with an apology because I've been gone for about two weeks now. Uh, but I am coming not just with apology, but with, with changed behavior. Um, I think that I have a plan that may work in terms of consistency for the podcast. So the plan is to have a release every Thursday. Now, it may not work out every week, but I have heard the concerns and the goal is to get a podcast out every Thursday starting this week. So from here forward, you can you can expect that I'm working on it, but bear with me. Uh, There may be off weeks depending on what's going on. So each week it'll either be a sit down like this or an interview with the guest as I am moving around the country talking to different folks, as you saw with some of the previous episodes and just to connect the dots for some people this podcast is available on all uh well most of the podcast platforms spotify iHeartRadio, apple podcasts and um what's the other one podbean um so it's available there but it's also available in video form on youtube and you can access both if you go to our website wholebrothermission.com and check out our podcast and it lists each episode with the YouTube link and the podcast listening link right there together. So that's the first order of business. So I apologize and I have a plan moving forward. I'm working on it. Um, In addition to that, I wanted to mention not just that we'll try to do weekly on Thursdays, but also There's going to be some more structure in terms of the episode. So if it's not an interview and it's just me, you can expect the structure of covering the news for the week, a question and answer section, and then a topic for the week. So that's the structure I'm looking at. Um, And again, it can end up being an interview with that structure as well, potentially, if it's one of those call in interviews. But we're shooting for more in person ones now that I'm vaccinated and you know, I just feel like you get better conversations when you're in person with people. So that's the goal for your reference. If you are interested in sending in a question and having it answered um, by me, or if you're able to see who an upcoming guest is and you want to ask them a question, you can text in questions or leave a voicemail at this number and your question can potentially be answered on the podcast. So take this down. The number is 323 323- nine 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 two zero six eight so that's going to be the number for you to send in questions or um or send in questions via text or voicemail don't expect a response um it's just for you to submit that information to us and i'll uh try to compile it and uh pull that together for that that episode so for this week Um, I'll cover some of the news, answer two questions, and then get to the topic for the day. So in terms of the news, I think the thing that is getting the most attention is this Bill Cosby situation. So I was just living life. And then randomly, I looked up and I saw, oh, you know, Bill is is getting out. Um, His conviction has been overturned. I wasn't expecting that. I didn't know that was in the works. It just seemed to have blindsided me. So Immediately when I saw that, I thought, man, this is going to get awkward because I know that there are so many emotions tied to that case and Bill and 
thoughts about what went down, how it went down. And it's just so many different views of that. And unfortunately, I know that it was going to I knew that it was going to lead to some fighting because people are so invested in a certain perspective. And even so, they're invested in those perspectives with limited information. So in response to this, one of the things that I posted was just, you know, make sure you research the, research the case before you get online and speaking about it. Because so many people were just speaking out of turn without understanding um, some of the information or knowing some of the information that's readily available to us about this case and what happened. I think the immediate assumption was because this conviction was overturned that Bill Cosby is innocent pertaining to every accusation that was ever made. And this overturning of the conviction wasn't necessarily confirming that. Um, but people ran with it as if it was. And then I also saw, you know, I don't know how serious some people take this, but I actually saw a guy online um, say, you know, he referred to Bill as Unk. And he said, I know you didn't touch any of them women. And, you know, you can get back to buying NBC now. And, you know, <laughs> he could have been joking, but I do think that there are people out there that legitimately believe that Bill Cosby, the individual, was going to buy NBC, the multimedia conglomerate. I feel confident that that was not the case. And Bill is not in position financially to just buy NBC flat out. Um I doubt that very seriously. I'm not in the know on that type of stuff, but I doubt that that was the case. That was, a, I think, a running joke. Um, but please don't. Now, if you can prove me wrong, go for it. But I, I feel confident in saying that that's probably not the case. And Bill doesn't have the money to buy NBC outright. Um, however, I also understand that as a black man, we do look at everything sideways in this country, especially if um if it's tied to race so the sensitive thing here is you don't want to make it seem as if you're for people getting abused but at the same time and i'll get to this later i do understand how specifically because some of bill's accusers were white women we do know that there is a history of white women using their tears and femininity to get black men injured killed reprimanded arrested you think about the story of Emmett Till. Um, and I, I've seen that, so I do know that that concern is there. So how do we find this balance of recognizing that racism does play a part in how black men are treated in terms of um, some issues with white women? White women have targeted black men by claiming that they did something to them. So they, they made up cases, made up stories to hurt black men. That has happened in our history. However, we also know that any man, including black men, is capable of doing something terrible like rape or molestation to anyone as well. And we don't want to seem like we're supporting that or uh, bashing the victims. So how do we deal with these two things at the same time without being a crappy person? And I think our society is having a hard time doing that. Specifically, um, we have... Felicia Rashad, she responded to the overturning of Bill's conviction on Twitter, and people gave her a lot of flack um, for that. 
her response was finally a terrible wrong is being righted. A miscarriage of justice is corrected. Um, and they went in on her. Um, they were not happy with her. And now I'm going to read after the backlash. She did add to that tweet and she said, I fully support survivors of sexual assault coming forward. My post was in no way intended to be insensitive to their truth. Personally, I know from friends and family that such abuse has lifelong residual effects. My heartfelt wish is for healing. So I know that people read the original tweet as F the victims. That's just what they heard. That's what they saw. Um, that's what they heard. That's how they interpreted it. Now, if I were in her position, would I have said that? No. I just wouldn't have addressed it because I know the society that we live in, and that's how I'm choosing to handle those types of situations. Um, I know that even if you mean A, people are going to hear it as B and then tell you that you meant B, and you, you just can't can't argue. So people were telling her, basically, you know, you're a crappy person for saying this. You're basically saying F the victims. That's not cool. And I do think people were calling for Howard University to fire her. She recently was um, appointed as a dean, I think, of the College of Fine Arts. I'm not sure what the name is. But basically, I think she was um, getting an emergency alert. Uh, she was um, appointed as the dean at Howard. And people were saying, you know, she basically should be fired. Um, and... It's just so much there, but I think it's possible if we can be logical and deal with the facts, it's possible to say what she said and it not ultimately mean F the victims, I support rape. It seems like people are taking one extreme or the other. Now, I can't speak for Felicia Rashad, but just in trying to deal with this in a factual way and not assuming the worst in people, if you want to do that and if you know more about her and that, that causes your conclusion, that's totally fine. I'm just here to say that uh, factually, based off of what we know about the case, there was a miscarriage of justice, which is why the conviction was overturned. The miscarriage of justice isn't saying Bill didn't do anything at all, but I think it was procedural in that the way that it was handled was incorrect, namely because there were witnesses that were brought in that shouldn't have been brought in by technicality. Um, but also there was an agreement made with Bill and um, a prosecutor that was violated where I think things were used against him later that were not supposed to. So because there were things done incorrectly, the conviction had to be overturned. I don't think and I've heard many others say that this isn't necessarily clearing him of any wrongdoing, but it is saying that there was wrongdoing in terms of how the case was handled. And that's why the conviction has been overturned. So I don't know why people don't want to work through the nuance. We just like to work in extremes for some reason. So either Bill didn't do anything at all and he's completely exonerated or Felicia Rashad hates rape victims and wants Bill to rape more people. It's just like, you know, <laughs> but why can't we look at it in terms of this is what happened. This may be what she's alluding to. This may be what people are alluding to. Now, I also recognize there are crappy people out here who I can honestly say 
probably are raping or molesting or have raped it, raped or molested in the past. And I think people expose themselves unintentionally when they speak on behalf of Bill Cosby and other people or in defense of these people that they don't know personally. Sometimes it's something in you that makes you feel the need to defend because you know you're doing the same thing behind the scenes. So I do recognize that that's a reality, too, that some of the people, staunch defenders of Bill Cosby, probably are rapists or have raped in the past or have molested in the past or have taken advantage of a victim sexually um, by using drugs or alcohol, whatever the case may be. Um, so I, I recognize that that's the case and, and see that. Um, I hate that that's the case, but I know that that's a reality. Um, in addition to that, I think it's important for us to really uh, – be sensitive to that reality. And something I saw that uh, somebody posted was that Bill is not going to see your posts of praise and defense of him. Bill's not going to see it. But who is going to see it? The people on your friends list who you actually know who are secretly victims of rape. So I just do think that more thought needs to be put into these things and what we choose to address, how we choose to address it, and what medium we choose to address it on. So I said very limited things about this in terms of typing out posts on social media, but I waited until this podcast to address it at, at length. Um, so I in no way uh, support rape or molestation or any type of uh, sexual abuse and believe that when that happens, it should go to court and the courts should do what they're supposed to do um, and all parties involved. And it's wrong. Um to, to take advantage of people in that way, whether it is a man doing it to a woman or a woman doing it to a man. And as we'll get to, to later in the topic um, for today, toward the end of the show, uh, I'll be dealing with the idea of, of women and adults specifically sexually abusing black boys. Um, Cause that doesn't get addressed enough, but I'll get to that later. But I think a uh, bill, you know, it's an interesting situation because you're dealing with the race dynamic, the powerful black man dynamic, and you're dealing with the sexual abuse dynamic. And I personally am at a point where I don't think that my advocacy for black people and black men would cause me to overlook the misdeeds of a black man who victimized anybody. So you can't get to a point of success and stature that then uh, puts you beyond critique or uh, a conviction. So no matter what Bill was doing in terms of career-wise, I don't think that he's beyond uh, being held accountable for rape, molestation, sexual assault of any sort. Um, but also, I think it's important to discuss uh that we in many ways as black men uh that alert keeps coming um we as as black men um have to also acknowledge that uh and this is not just black men but you know my fo our focus is black men but this happens in other cultures but you know you listen to rap music when you listen to conversations um we have amongst each other um there is this sense of specifically, I will say alcohol where just being real about it. Many have historically used alcohol as a means to get sex. 
The goal is to go out, let's get some drinks because you want her to get a little bit tipsy or drunk. And honestly, no one says it out loud, but that is a whole part of the dating phase, the partying phase, getting lit, because, you know, it makes people less conscious, less, um, less aware for critical thinking. And they're more likely to do something impulsive, like go sleep with a stranger. Um, and it seems like our culture is just coming to a point where they're starting to realize that getting someone drunk um, and then having sex with them is is rape. I think for the longest, people didn't see it that way, honestly. It wasn't seen that way, especially uh, in, in college culture, I would say, and even beyond college culture. People use alcohol as an aphrodisiac, and they aren't thinking of it as incapacitating a person and having sex with them, unfortunately. But... I hate that our culture is that way, but I do think a lot of people don't see it that way. And we're still turning a curb in terms of getting people to understand it that way. So even with Bill's situation, barbershop conversations and conversations I've had behind the scenes have been guys looking at it as, you know, Bill may have, you know, used some substances, right, to uh, to alter the mental state of these women. However... One thing I, I see raised is a lot of them were also looking for an opportunity. And the argument is, well, some of them were willingly participating in this. They were doing drugs together and um, were looking for opportunity in the industry and they wanted to sleep with Bill. And now they're trying to flip the story to damage him as a money grab. Um, I don't know enough to speak on that. I don't know if that's the case. But I do know that is a, a possibility as well. All these things are possible. We've seen enough in human history that humans have the propensity to do really terrible things, like even lying about rape or raping itself. So all these things are inside the realm of possibility. I don't know what happened. But what I'm getting at is there is some tact that we should have in how we address these topics. I know there are certain comedians who chime in on stuff like this and make a passive tongue in cheek post on social, but I'm just considering the impact of certain statements. Is your take on the Bill Cosby situation even worth the potential damage it could cause to rape victims? Do you really have to say something about it? Like the, the whatever you're posting about it is the potential damage it could cause worth it or is it best to keep quiet or make a more nuanced statement? Or address it in a longer form, like a podcast where you can clarify your positions and not be, or you still can be mischaracterized even if you clarify your positions. That's just the way the, the internet is. But I'm just hating the fact that we as a people are terrible communicators and terrible listeners. Um, someone can say the sky is blue. Uh, someone else listening can say you say the sky is green. And the other person can say, no, I said the sky is blue. And then the person, other person will say, well, no, I heard you say green. And it's like, no, if we go back and look at what I typed, I didn't say that. And it just becomes a thing where people are trying to peep stuff, read in between the lines and draw conclusions based off of their feelings and their previous traumas and not looking at what you said for face value. Um, and I've experienced that and I hate that. So I do think people need to stop trying to read the hearts and minds of complete strangers on social just for the sake of making an argument we got to be careful with that especially if you don't know these people um 
I understand that many of us probably have been hurt by people before. So it feels natural to assume the worst in every situation rather than to assume the positive. I have a friend, shout out to Will. Uh, We were having a conversation years ago and he said, you know, I assume the best in people. Um, I tend to look at people in a positive light and it's not until they show me something negative that I then begin to change my view. But I start everyone from me, every new person I meet starts in the positive and they have to earn their way into the negative by bad behavior. And that blew me away because I'm not that I'm not that way at all. <laughs> it just seems so naive and crazy. I'm like, what you, you sitting here thinking positively about people. I assume the worst. And then if you, well, I don't assume the worst, but I'm aware of how bad people can be. And then I'm impressed when people show me that they're not mediocre or terrible. And then I'm, you know, I have a new view. So I am the complete opposite. It's kind of leaning more toward a negative perspective. And then you show me something and you don't have to, but I just observe. I sit back. I try to stay neutral. I try to, but I'm also aware that, and my experience has been, most of these people out here are full of it. Most of these people out here are trash people. And I know that that's the case. So I know that's possibly inspiring why people assume the worst in Felicia Rashad's intent in that original tweet, even though she said nothing about the victims because of uh, negative experiences with people. I think people see her tweet, saw her tweet through the lens of people are just crappy people. So she probably meant this, this and this. Um, And same thing with Bill and same thing with the accusers. Right. So we're all looking at whatever of other parties through the lens of what we've seen from other people. And while that's not completely wrong, we have to balance that out with how much do we know about the person. Um, So and you can think through these things and land at your own conclusion. The issue becomes when you share that, you open yourself up to some critique and backlash and potential cancel culture, uh, so to speak. So these are things I think we definitely need to think deeper about. Um, I'm sure Bill's going to do an interview, if not with Oprah, with somebody where he's going to say Whatever he got to say, it's, it's starting to look like the OJ situation now where it's like there's this underlying belief that this person did it, but they're free by technicality. So you got to let them. We just act as if it didn't happen. Um, but still in the back of our heads, we believe it did. But like I said, there are those people that believe Bill didn't do anything at all. I don't know either way. Um, he is free now, but I do think that. How do you want to be remembered? Hmm, that's a loaded question, but I'll say this. I want to be remembered as someone who helped people, inspired people to learn, and to really live life to the fullest and unapologetically. If there's one thing at the end of it all, it would be to maximize the time that you've been given. sexual relations with some of the accusers or or, or women. So you do your own research on that and you see where you land. Um, Lastly, I'll say that uh, I don't think Howard is going to fire Felicia Rashad. They released a statement um, addressing that. They said that she was insensitive, but 
I want us to be realistic about the capitalist culture that we live in. I think there's there's money tied to all of that. There's a benefit to Howard having her there. She is who she is. Um, several people, actors would love to study under her. Um, so I don't think she's going anywhere. I'll just tell you that now. Um, is that a slap in the face to victims? That's up to you to decide uh, where I am is the second tweet that she made clarifying her position in terms of victims is what I thought. I thought that's where she stood on it. I thought the first tweet was more so her speaking about the parts, the technicalities where Bill was done wrong. And now he's free. I don't think that she was... Uh, in that tweet saying that after victims basically, but I don't know, you know, those people, but what she tweeted the second time around is what I thought was her view. Um, even with not mentioning that. Um, so yeah, that's where, I, where I'm at on those things. Uh, I'm going to get to some questions and then I'll close out with um our topic for today i have some some clip a, a clip to, sh to share with you but i'm going to get two questions uh two for today so the first first question oops First question, how do I regain trust after cheating? How do I regain trust after cheating? Um, so, uh, assuming this is, I think this is a guy. Um, I know something that comes up a lot is, uh, unfortunately, I see this more with, more with men than women. A guy might cheat and then his partner, uh, the woman, forgives him. And then um, they move forward, but she still has concerns, hesitations, and so on and so forth. And he gets to a point where he's like, all right, you forgave me. We're supposed to be past that now. And she's still having hesitations and memories and so on and so forth. And he kind of wants to rush her forgiveness process and her emotional healing because he's past it and he wants her to be past it. Um, while I don't think that a healthy relationship would include someone throwing a past mistake that they've forgiven you for in your face repeatedly... I do think it's important to understand that people's healing does not always match our uh, hopefulness or our positioning in terms of moving past it. It's always the offender that wants to move further down the road quicker than the offended party. That's just natural. Um, but I think there's a level of maturity that's needed to balance it back out and take what comes with your bad decision. And that could be one year, two year, three years of apologies and whatever else needs to be done to repair. Now, again, I'm not advocating for an unhealthy relationship where 
you're constantly having to prove your love and she's using that to take advantage of you. So you always owe me some gifts and you got to listen to me on everything. I'm always right from here on out. Like there is a way to which this can become domineering and unhealthy. But at the same time, there is a level to which one does have to work to rebuild trust that they broke and you can't rush it based off of your convenience. Um, so that's just something to keep in mind, brothers, that if you want to avoid being in this position, you got to start thinking about it before the mistake is made. You can't control the consequences of your decisions. Um, even if you're forgiven, you can't. It seems a bit disingenuous and selfish to try to rush someone else's process. Like, all right, you forgave me. We're supposed to be past this now. Um, so it's important to have clear communication about what past this means what moving forward means and what boundaries will be um, set. And in addition to that, uh, in terms of repairing a relationship, uh, I think as men, so often we focus on getting back with her, right? So it's like, I messed up, you distancing yourself from me, what I gotta do for you to let me move back in or for you to come back over here or for us to be on the same page again. And while that is an aspect of restoring a broken relationship, so much energy is focused on getting her to take me back and not enough energy is put on why did I do this in the first place? We don't seem to ask that question often. What within me caused me to step out, seek attention somewhere else, cheat? Um, and if you don't deal with that personal work, then you'll find yourself in the same position again because you just convinced her to give you another shot, but you haven't changed. So there's something within you that caused the issue to begin with, and that's what needs to be resolved. Um, so I do think a better order would be some personal self-work and then exploring, um, revisiting the relationship, coming into it as a new person with a new perspective. But I think the desperation for not losing her ends up being a making us go for the game of let me just get you back whatever I can to get you back quickly uh, instant gratification but not doing the personal work and that personal work may include accepting that you lack so sexual self-control that you're insecure and constantly needing validation for people beyond your partner um, there's some deeper work that needs to be done so in addition to trying to get her back and apologizing and gifts and whatever that looks like the more important thing is the personal self-work so that you don't repeat this in this relationship or so that you don't repeat it in a new relationship. Because if you, let's just say you cheated, she breaks up with you, you're single, you get in a new relationship, you still haven't dealt with what puts you in this mess in the first place. And again, I am always an advocate for therapy and I do think a lot of men don't naturally or normally think deeply about why we do the things we do and in terms of sex and women we accept the idea that part of being a man is a strong sexual appetite so me wanting to sleep with people other than my partner is just me being a man um, and I don't really have to manage that because that's just part of who I am some of those notions are things we don't say out loud but we accept internally and then they rear their ugly heads when we get in a committed relationship and then we have to work through all this stuff and God forbid there be kids involved. So therapy, um, you need one, whatever state you're in, uh, visit wholebrothermission.com, 
click get help and we can help you out with connecting you with somebody. So that's my meant to be short but long-winded <laughs> answer to that. And we got one more question here. Hmm. How do you show your partner that they are wrong? <laughs> How do you show your partner that they are wrong? Um, I think, uh, mm, I, it's, it's so much, you know, I want to be careful cause I don't know the whole story. I just get the, the, um, the question by itself. So I want to be careful, but I, I'll say this. I mentioned this in a previous video. Um, relationships have to include a level of challenging the other person, especially when you see something being done wrong. Right. But I do think just one, th I don't know all the details. So I'll just throw this one thing out there and hopefully this is helpful. When you raise those things is important. Here's why a thing I see a lot of people do is, um, two people are living life. This person, um, has something that they don't like that they've been offended by, um, something they think the other person is doing wrong, but they hold it in. This person gets offended by something and confronts this person about it. And for whatever reason, that is the time that this person decides to raise the issues they've been holding on to. And that can be very frustrating because it's a deflection tactic. So, because this person is raising concerns to this person, this person is going to deflect by saying, well, you did such and such four weeks ago. And then we're not dealing with the issue at hand that this person raised. Um, so I think a respectful approach is dealing with what this person raised first, right then and there. And I'm sorry for those of you who are listening on the um, podcast, you don't see me using my hands to represent the different people, but hopefully you can track along with it. But the point is, when someone's raising an issue with you, that is not the time to raise a previous concern that you've had with them. That is childish and it's deflective and it's, it's just the worst and it can damage trust. So if you do have a legitimate issue, raise that then, but don't pick the time that they're confronting you to deflect um, and raise some new issue. You can only deal with one thing at a time. So allow that person the respect of dealing with their concern. And then even if them raising the issue to you makes you think about a previous concern right then and there, deal with their concern first and then revisit yours after the fact. That's just a helpful, um, some helpful respect. So um, those are the two questions for today. Again, if you would like to have a question answered on the show, uh, you can text your question into 323-999-2068 or call that number and leave a voicemail and uh, I'll attempt to follow up. Now, uh, I'm going to go into the topic for today, which is sexual abuse of, of young black boys. Um, I don't think we look at sexual abuse of underage black boys the same we do underage black girls. In general, I think there's an issue in our community with that. But specifically, because boys are expected to be hypersexual, I think we overlook their abuse when they're minors. Um, 
here's why this came up this week. Listen, this is Kevin Gates on Mike Tyson's podcast. Listen to this. And I'm going to say something. I never said this in no interview, no podcast or anything like that. I grew up real, real violent and real aggressive, not because I wanted to be, but I was molested when I was a child. So I had this fear of being vulnerable. So I took all every kind of martial arts you could take. And I even boxed. I did everything. And I wanted to be the toughest person on earth. But writing and making music was always an escape for me. Like, I never had the, like, the nuts to come out and say that. This is my first time saying this today since I've yeah, been. Yeah, but I know, I, know that, I know that route, too. Why do you think I became the meanest motherfucker on the planet? Somebody did something to me. Yes, sir. And I didn't want it to happen again. So I became this guy. Yeah. Take it to the furthest extent. Yeah. Yes, sir. That's my that's my story. That's that's the But real it was deal. really it was really everything that I did, even like people say, like Kevin Gates, he just killer. I'm not. I'm not. But the reason I speak about it now, cause I just released a mixtape like maybe a few months ago, and guys walk up to me in the gym like bodybuilders and just hug me and cry and be like, Man, I went through the same shit you went through. Like, keep doing what you're doing. So I'm like, I guess I'm on the right yeah, path. Yeah, you're, you're really prolific out there in the music world, man. I mean, when we first heard it, so who's that? And that's Kevin Gates. So Kevin Gates, I thought you have a fancy rap name, like King Shabazz or something. <laughs> it's Kevin Gates. Plain old. Plain old Kevin. Um, so that was the clip, and uh, coincidentally, in addition to that, one of the tweets of the day on the Whole Brother Mission Instagram and Facebook page, we do a tweet of the day just about every day. And um, one of the ones from this week was from Madison Payton 2, tweet of the day. In 2011, I was sexually assaulted by a woman. It's a guy. Uh, I never told anyone because no one would believe me. These narratives exist for men, too. And they do. Um, in addition to Kevin Gates, I know that uh, we featured this clip on our, our page as well. The baby, I think, has shared about um, being women, being sexually involved with him when he was underage. Uh, King Von, rest in peace, shared on that similarly. D. Ray Davis has shared on that happening to him and Charlemagne the God has shared on that happening to him as well. And most of them, when they speak on it, it's not even, I was molested. I was raped. I was, you know, statutory rape. It was just, Oh yeah. You know, these grown women was messing with me. Um, I never forget actually how little Wayne told a story about how Birdman got some women to perform oral sex on him when he was like 11. Um, and he shared the story. He, you know, he was proud of it. Um, and I don't even think we begin to understand just how destructive this behavior is. Uh, let children be children. Um, and even these adult men probably don't even understand the impacts of this and how it has made them maybe view women if the the abuser was a woman or how it makes them view men or how it alters 
their perspective on sex, how it makes them scared of sex or hypersexual. It has so many different implications that it can't even fully be mapped out. But I don't think enough enough attention is given to this because, um, once again, the assumption is that men, and I think even more so a black man, are expected to be just these hypersexual sexual beasts that can just, you know, have sex all night long. They're all they want is sex. And it's just, um, we are over-sexualized um, to the point where I think many have a hard time seeing us outside of being a physical dominant beast that is going to harm you, that a fighter, a monster, or a sexual beast that's going to pleasure you, but be a little rough. I think those are the caricatures that many of us see black men through. So we just kind of accept the abuse that, that happens to young boys. Um, and just as we need to hold creeps that are going after young girls accountable, we need to also hold accountable these nasty grown women that are messing with little boys. Um, I know that in some families, even a six-year-old, seven-year-old, eight-year-old, nine-year-old boy, the women in the family or women that are around will call him sexy. Nine years old, calling him sexy man. And he's going to be a heartbreaker. And it's fine to acknowledge that a child, I guess, is pretty or handsome. But I do think some of this goes too far. Um, and it, it sexualizes children, um, especially, once again, boys. And it pushes them to kind of be something. And it makes them think that it's okay. What happened to them was okay because that's what men do. So they see it as a rite of passage transitioning into manhood when in actuality it was a, a compromise of their innocence. Um, so I think just as much as we're skeptical about sending our little girls to sleepovers and things of that nature, that same level of accountability and care needs to be given to boys too. You know, I hate that I heard Boosie share about similar to the Lil Wayne story, getting sex for his underage sons. Um, I call it a hood mentality, but it's definitely a mentality of lack that many of us think in these ways. And grace sometimes is given for the girls and protection is given for the girls, but not for the boys. And lastly, I'll say I'm reminded of, of T.I.'s story where there was kind of a double standard where he's going above and beyond. Um, I think he was talking to Young Thug about this or was it... Uh, Wiz Khalifa, uh, not Wiz Khalifa, uh, 21 Savage, um, where, you know, that story came out about him doing hymen checks for his daughter, but there's just uh, uh, some free reign given to his son um, to just be out here experimenting sexually. And again, this mentality is toxic and it's just not helpful um, in terms of looking at sexual activity for young boys as just boys being boys, but looking at it as for girls as something to protect them from. I think sex is a very powerful thing and children need to be protected from that at all costs, lest they be corrupted adults doing, you know, if I'm not mistaken, R. Kelly was sexually abused. 
and I, I do think those types of things can play a part in turning someone into an abuser or a sexual deviant of sorts or just sexually reckless. So it's like they're not even protecting themselves. They just end up out here making kids, getting STDs. And it was just them being reckless because they're chasing whatever happened to them uh, or their mind or psychology or self-perception is altered in some way. So please care for our boys in the same way and protect them and create spaces for them to talk about what went down and don't applaud it. Um, don't applaud it if it was a woman and don't stigmatize them if it was a male that touched them or that they had an experience with. Um, I would recommend looking into this a bit deeper. So in my book, Whole Brother, Debunking the Mr. Break the Black Family, this idea of sexuality and sexual prowess and sex, sex life amongst boys and, how, and men and how we perceive that, I address that a lot in there. So I encourage you to go check that out um, to look into this a bit deeper or hand it off to someone who you know may have been um, sexually abused and it's affecting their identity currently. But specifically, there's a chapter, Boys Will Be Boys, that I think will be super helpful for those that are thinking through that. So again... I'll remind you of the announcements. I'm seeking to have an episode drop every Thursday. Uh, there will now be some structure, news topics, questions, and um, a topic of my choice uh, for the day. If you want to send in questions through text or voicemail, you can send them to 323-999-2068. And, um, yeah. Oh, also, you can DM us, too, on Instagram. DM us if you have questions or something you'd like covered as far as a topic, questions, concerns, or people you think I should interview, um, send them in as well. Check out Whole Brother, that Break the Black Family, but also on our website, wholebrothermission.com forward slash shop. Check out the Whole Brother stacks. I wish I had them with me, but I do not. I should have. But um, we have a, a card game. There's different editions coming out, but the first edition we released, Whole Brother Stacks for Fathers and Sons, uh, prompts, questions, deep combo. And there's a card game. It's a card game that helps men have conversations that go beyond the surface level. Uh, and some of our posts and some of our branding forward, we mentioned that it's easy to stay on the surface level and talk about sports stats forever. But we want to help fathers and sons, and I'm sure this version will be, it'll work for friends too, um, to go beyond the surface level and have deeper conversations. I do think men have a hard time having deeper conversations, thus have a harder time building deeper relationships. And one of the ways I've seen this play out is married men end up guilting their wives for going out and being social. Because many adult men lack, lack deep, substantial friendships because they ended up just talking sports stats for 20 years with their friends from childhood, but never nothing more. And all their female relationships were based off of sex and intimacy, and they only pursued women for romantic purposes and never actually had sisters or friends. So they end up married. The wife has a wide friend group. She has her husband. She has her friend group. She has her mentors. And the husband is just kind of sitting there. All he got is his wife. She's his best friend, his therapist, his lover, you know, his sex partner, she, sometimes mom, 
you know. So I do think uh, relationships amongst men need to be deeper and that helps us to be better friends, fathers, husbands, so on and so forth. So this card game will help open up that conversation naturally because you're not responsible for what's written on the card. You're just reading what was there and you let the conversation flow from there. But thank you guys for joining me again. Help me out uh, through supporting us and donating so that we can keep this consistent. Uh, Holbrothermission.com, we're 501c3, so all gifts are tax deductible. And uh, if you're in need of therapy, we can help you help you out wherever you are, 50 states or Washington, D.C. Uh, this has been another episode of the Whole Brother Mission podcast. Thank you. Okay.